Welcome and welcome and welcome. A bad, drizzly day in Indy, and I am on a protest. Yeah, I got my new shirt, which is very comfortable, but it's a Nike shirt, and you know what? I'm protesting. I'm covering it up. I am Michael Jordan in the 1992 Olympics, draping the American flag over any product that isn't mine or that I am boycotting. That's right. I am the king of boycott, ladies and gentlemen. Speaking of king, the kings are dead. The kings have fallen, not those kings, not the Sacramento kings. Although we will get into the Sacramento kings with our friend Jimmy Boylan, former NBA head coach, legendary assistant coach, hardest working man in basketball. We'll talk to Jimmy Coming up here in a little bit, get into all the NBA playoffs. By the way, LeBron James made Diet Draymond look like a complete fool. Uh, Wait for it. Wait for it. You know the sounds you're going to hear. That will be Don Lemon claiming racism on his firing after 17 years at CNN. Don Lemon is out. And the interesting thing about Don Lemon is even his own organization, CNN, called him fake news. Let's look, Dylan and Ryan, at Don Lemon's tweet when he was let go from e- or excuse me, from CNN. Let's look at Lemon's tweet. I was informed this morning by my agent I've been terminated by CNN. I'm stunned. 17 years. I would have thought someone in management would have the decency to tell me directly. Remember that part of it at no time was I ever given any indication that I would not be able to continue to do the work that I have loved at the network. It's clear there are some larger issues at play. Ding dong. Excuse me. Let me get it out. Up. Race card. Race card out. Here it is. Yep. There it is. Let me pull it out. I got it right here. Actually, uh, I've got a card from someone else, but you know, there it is. Ding dong. Race card out. And then he goes on about the incredible run, most talented journalism, who he abused. Look, all these guys, I'm telling you, that come off these guys that, you know, we're all inclusive. Look at the joy in our lives with our partner. They're all full of crap. They're all nasty. You don't think Rapino and Bird deep down? Ugh, nasty. Everybody, heterosexuals, nasty at different times. But if you see someone touting themselves as all-inclusive and happy, see Ellen, the generous, nasty. And that's all Don Lemon is. All you got to do is read up about him berating co-hosts, jealousy, him being upset about, of course, somebody getting a better job than him. And next thing you know, he's all upset. Race card will be played. uh, Lawsuits will be filed. Race will be the biggest part of them. Of course, we know that. But the bottom line is Don Lemon is out for a number of reasons. One, he caused embarrassment. Two, his ratings just aren't that good anymore. And look, TV is no different. And I mean no different than sports. If your problems don't get overshadowed by your talent and your production, then you are gone. Period. Draymond Green runs around acting like an idiot, but his role on a championship team overcomes his pain in the backside, stupidity, embarrassing behavior. And when that changes, he'll be gone. It's just the way it is. Period. And it's not just sports. It's TV. It's radio. 
It's the big buildings downtown, whatever city you live in. If you are a salesperson and you're the dynamic salesperson, but maybe you've had a few incidents at the company party, you're all good as long as you're bringing in the cash. Once you start bringing in, see my finger went the other way, very clever of me. There, now you got a problem, and that problem will lead to what happened with Don Lemon. Don't think the media does not have power. Don't think the media doesn't control. That Vanity Fair expose on Don Lemon was a big deal. Same thing with Tucker Carlson. I'm a fan of Tucker Carlson, worked at the same network as Tucker Carlson, but Tucker Carlson... Well, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Let me back up. Let me back up, Dylan. Let's go to the tweet. Let me finish up here. Yes, there you go. Thank you. Don Lemon's statement about this morning's events is inaccurate. He was offered an opportunity to meet with management, but instead released a statement on Twitter. Look at those views. 12.6 million views from CNN. I know who I'm believing in this. I, I know who I, I don't believe either of them, if you want to know the truth. But there is no doubt, no doubt, that CNN offered, offered the opportunity for Don Lemon to meet. And I'll tell you why. I had a meeting, and I've talked about this meeting. Had a meeting with one of my big bosses, long time ago. I said, what's the hardest thing now in business? He goes, firing people. I go, yeah? I go, why? He said, well, a couple of things. Number one, you got to do it very delicately or else you're going to face possibly in the world we live in, somebody coming back with a gun. That's why we have security walk people out because the world we live in is insane. I'm not saying Don Lemon would do that. I'm giving you my conversation. And the other thing is a lawsuit, particularly a race lawsuit or a sex lawsuit, meaning anybody but middle-aged white men are going to file a lawsuit. Now, middle-aged white men will file lawsuits as well. Middle-aged white woman will as well. And that was the thing that he said. So you got to do all these things delicately, particularly with a public voice like Don Lemon, particularly a guy that is not afraid to throw around how he has been, well, let's just be honest, uh, abused in his life. He has been discriminated against because he's gay and because he is black and because he gets fired, he would use that, and you don't want that. So there's no question in my mind that CNN did exactly what they said. Now, on to Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson's an interesting deal. Look, I got sued, or we got sued at Emma's when I was there uh, by some clowns. And the fact of the matter is, we settled. It wasn't for any money. didn't come out of my pocket. came out of Emma's pocket, but it wasn't any meaningful money. You're always getting sued. Bob and Tom are legendary. The legendary morning show originating here out of Indianapolis sued like it was their job early in their career. Howard Stern sued like it was their job. Hey, look, it's what happened. I wear it as a badge of honor. In fact, when Emmis had our going away party and they brought every on-air, off-air talent up to give them a nice bonus... I was the last one, and Jeff Smoley had said, well, now our legal department can rest easy because Dan is gone. Now, Greg Doyle, the noted uh, adulterous columnist for the Indy Star, had turned that into a negative, but everybody knows that's kind of a positive. I told Pat McAfee, who's being sued by Brett Favre, good for you. Good for you. You've now made it. Now, you don't want to pay out big cash, but it did. It was remarkable to me, almost $900 million paid out by Fox 
over comments made by Tucker Carlson and then in discovery with the lawsuit from Dominion, a lot of negative things by Carlson were said about his own network, and that's never good. I'll tell you what yesterday showed in Carlson's world. In the world here at Fox, no matter how your performance is, if you end up costing the company money, you're going to be gone. I, as soon as I saw the settlement, I thought to myself, well, I don't know how you keep Tucker Carlson. I'm a big fan of Tucker Carlson. I'm a big fan of Tucker Carlson's son. He runs Jim Banks, uh, a friend of the show's campaign. Uh, we text all the time. I'm a fan. But once I saw that, I thought to myself, huh, and then there's a discrimination suit, a discrimination suit by a top producer, a lady named Abby Gross Grossberg, who alleges all kind of things, not necessarily by Carlson, but by Carlson's team. And once I saw the combination of that, it was curious to me how long Tucker Carlson would be kept. Well, Tucker Carlson, despite the fact of being the most popular show on, ladies and gentlemen, cable, is now gone. That's interesting to me. It's a warning sign to me. A lot of people are looking at it as if Rupert Murdoch is trying to squelch real conservative free speech. I don't necessarily look at it that way. I look at it as, man, when you cost a company $900 million and you got a discrimination suit, you got to be very, very careful. So I wish Tucker Carlson well. I wish everybody well in this. And we'll see what happens. But Fox News, I love it. I'm a, I'm a fan. Big changes in the media yesterday. Uh, let's talk a little football, shall we? Can we talk football? Aaron Rodgers traded. I want to go through. I want to go through the list of quarterbacks that are currently in the AFC. Honest to God, now you've got the Colts and the Titans, and I guess not the Jaguars. We're all in love, right? We're all in love with Trevor Lawrence. We're good with Trevor Lawrence. The Texans, you want to know why the AFC South is bad? Well, here's why. The Texans have Davis Mills. The Colts have really nobody. The Ryan Tannehill era looks to be coming to an end. And the Jacksonville Jaguars won the division in the second year of Trevor Lawrence coming into his own. There you go. I mean, let's go another direction. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is pretty damn good. Aaron Rodgers is now on the Jets. He enters the fray. Say whatever you'd want about Lamar Jackson being injured, but he's a former MVP. Joe Burrow is considered as good as it gets. Josh Allen was considered for the entire year the front runner for the MVP with the Bills. Uh, Justin Herbert has shown enough. Now, he may be overplayed. Kenny Pickett, I am not putting into this round. Kenny Pickett is a maybe. Russell Wilson is a maybe. Deshaun Watson is a maybe, but wouldn't you as a Titans fan or a Colts fan or a Texan fan want to have Russell Wilson, Kenny Pickett? I guess you'd want to have Deshaun Watson if you take out all the crap, which you can't. But just think about what is happening in the AFC. So it's no wonder the AFC South. It's no wonder 
our teams, most people watching this are Indy, maybe Nashville fans. It's no wonder our teams aren't any good. They stinks. You got to have a quarterback. I don't care what the general manager of the Colts, uh, Chris Ballard, said. I want you to read this. Chris Ballard said, when Luck retired and you're trying to replace him, it was never about one guy. It will never be about one guy. It's about all 53 men in that locker room. It's about all 63 men, including the practice squad that we have. It'll never be about one guy. It will always be about the team. Yeah, is that right? Okay. As I always said, pull this, it plays jingle bells. That's it. Pull this, it plays jingle bells because that's crap. I don't care who you get in the 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th, 20th rounds. I know there's not 20. I care about who you got at quarterback. I care about the stars because, ladies and gentlemen, the stars rock and roll. The stars get it done. The stars, the quarterback, are the thing. I mean, all you got to do is look. All you got to do is peek at it. All you got to do is see who wins. And take the AFC, for example. The only legit quarterback, star quarterback, is in Jacksonville. How quickly did they rebuild that franchise? Boom, like that. Why? The quarterback. Period. So Aaron Rodgers goes. Let's break down the trade. The Jets are sending a 13th, the 42nd, and the 207th. So a first round, a second round, a fifth round this year, and a second round in 2024, which will become a first round pick if Rodgers plays 65% of the snaps. All right. That's what goes to Green Bay. What comes to the Jets is the 15th pick this year, a fifth round pick this year, and Aaron Rodgers. All right. Now, apparently this is big news. Back in college, Aaron Rodgers wore the number eight when he played at Oregon. You see right here, Aaron Rodgers wore the number 12. Joe Namath famously wore the number 12, and he is the best quarterback, the most decorated quarterback in Jets history. That number is retired. Joe Namath gave his blessing, said, go ahead, what the heck? Wear number 12. Rodgers said, no, I'm going to wear number eight. So now you've got a four-time MVP coming over to the New York Jets. It's pretty good. Garrett Wilson, wide receiver, pretty good. Sauce Gardner, uh, corner, pretty good. They got some weapons, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know that the Jets are the best, but think about the division they play in. Uh, the Bills are fantastic. Are you really digging? I mean, do you really dig the, the New England Patriots with Mac Jones? Again, I go to quarterback. If we're going to talk about quarterback, do we give a rat's about Mac Jones? That's the thing. You can talk about it all you want. But the more Bill Belichick stays, the more he is going to be diminished in the argument between Tom Brady and Bill Belichick because we're all starting to realize quarterback is king. Miami Dolphins have two. I don't know if that's great anymore. I mean, at the top of the list, you got Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen. Now, that's pretty good. That's great. So it's an interesting dynamic. Obviously, people in New York City are ecstatic, and they should be. People in Green Bay are going, here we go again. Here we go again. Aaron Rodgers had to wait his turn. Well, Brett Favre had to wait his turn. Aaron Rodgers, great things. Brett Favre, great things. 
Aaron Rodgers skips out. Brett Favre skipped out. Aaron Rodgers skips out to the Jets. Well, guess what Brett Favre did? He had skipped out to the Jets. It's unbelievable. It's incredible. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. As they say in the funny papers, deja vu all over again. You know, I may quit this job and just become a professional gambler. One of the things that you can count on is apparently the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat last night were plus 275, meaning they were seven-point underdogs last night at home. At home. And guess what the Miami Heat did? They got down. They kept playing. Jimmy Butler's insane. Amanda coached Jimmy Butler. I think Jimmy Boylan coached Jim Butler. Jim Boylan coached everybody. If you have a pulse and you've dribbled a basketball more than two times, I guarantee you my next guest has coached you at some level. And I'm including probably eighth, ninth, sixth, seventh, fifth grade girls as well. Probably including golfers too. The great Jim Boylan joins us. How are you, my friend? Hi, Coach. How you doing, brother? Thanks for having me on. Am it's I wrong? You. <laughs> Am I wrong? If you played basketball, you have been coached by Jim Boylan. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a run. It's been a good ride. A lot of good guys. Hey, have did you coach Jimmy Butler back in the day? Sure did. Yeah, I sure did. I, I tell me, I loved coaching Jimmy Butler. Man, loved him, loved him. All right, he was described today as like, what's the right? Gentle but fierce. I, I heard Spolstra talking about. It. I'm gonna get the wording wrong. I've seen the fierce, and then I saw his post game interview, and my wife and I both went, "What a great dude! What an incredible dude this guy is." Yeah, he's he's a special guy. He, um, his his maturity level at this time of the year, uh, coach is. He's just so calm. He just stays in the moment. Um, he knows how important these moments are. You know, he really studied Michael when we were in Chicago, and how he operated, and he knows your legacy. And what you do in the playoffs is what matters. I mean, our league, two-thirds of the team make the postseason. So, you know, if you don't make it, that's bad. And then what you do in it is is what matters. So, yeah, he's good at it. It's one thing to know, but it's another thing to do, right? I was watching Barkley yesterday, and he was talking about, hey, man, he's scoring against Holiday. And he's scoring against the Greek freak. These are two of the best defenders in the freaking world. It, again, how much work? I always look at this, coach. How much work has Jimmy Butler put in? I remember him at Marquette. He was good. But the work this guy put in has to be phenomenal. Yeah, his, his summer routine. I used to go out and visit him when he was in L.A. And I'd go out there for a week or two and hang with him and watch him work out. I mean, he goes twice a day in the summer. Uh, he's got his group that supports him, his trainer, his strength guy. Um, you know, obviously his diet is real important to him. 
Um, and, and he just doesn't take any days off. And he, he is so battle-hardened, so mentally tough. Um, he practices all those shots uh, that you see him make. I mean, you look at this game with the math of the game, right? So I think Miami had 18 or 19 non-rim twos. You look at Milwaukee's shot chart, they had stuff at the rim, and then they had uh, three-point shots. But it was a little bit of an outlier game for an NBA game, Coach, because Miami made so many shots that you're supposedly not supposed to take, right? But he's elite at those, and he works on those. And to see it pay off for him in the biggest moment um, is just really cool. Coach, you, you've been involved in this for a long time, and, and you've seen all this. I want to go – I never say anybody is unstoppable. But I'm watching Giannis, and I'm like, my God. I mean, I, yeah. I, how do you play? Do you, you just kind of hope he misses and then he doesn't get it back off of his miss? Yeah. We used to talk about <laughs> – the most important thing is boxing him out after he shoots because he gets a higher percentage shot, you know, the next attempt. Um, but, you know, what's what's always amazed me about him, Coach, is he embraces contact and collision every night. Every night he embraces contact, collision, getting to the rim, getting to the foul line, uh, putting pressure on the defense. And in a seven-game series, guys like him – they wear you down. It's like Shaq. You know, Shaq in a seven-game series, the center by the end of the series was done, right? And and this guy, Giannis, just keeps putting pressure on you and pressure on you. And the physicality of the playoffs right now, Coach, is the best I've seen it. I think the refs have stepped away, and they're letting these guys play. The scores are down, right, which is good, I think, for basketball. And the games have been just tremendous, physical, tough, competitive, um, makes you want to play again, right, Coach? Man, I, you Maybe know, I've not. said this, and people get mad. No, God, no. Not with this belly and this hair. It would be horrible. Uh, coach, I, I look at this, and people get mad at me all the time because I say, look, I love the NCAA tournament. You can really like both. But there is nothing like the crowd. There's nothing like the city, the state environment for an NBA team. This isn't like some fans are DePaul fans, some fans are Illinois fans. This is we're all Bulls fans. We're all Pacers fans. And I think that makes the NBA dynamic. I think it makes it fantastic, to use the old line, uh, come playoff time. It's ridiculous. And the level of play is stupid good. Yeah, that's what I think. I used to have this debate with Izzo, you know, all the time about the NBA and college and you know, uh, the NCAA tournament is a great event, but you don't play at home. Just just that dynamic right there, just that dynamic is changes everything. And you've been here when the Pacers have gone deep, and I've been, you know, <clears throat> with other teams that have gone deep and to the finals and all that. The town just, it just takes it over. I mean, there's billboards, there's road signs, there's um, people wearing the, the gear and people are there early and late and the whole town, just every bar is full um, for these home games. And it, it's just, it's the greatest, greatest time of the year. And if you have a chance to go to the finals, then it's really, really fun. 
You know, let me go the other way. We've seen these guys, you know, Draymond Green, Dylan Brooks, these aren't originals. Dennis Rodman was doing this. Guys have been doing this kind of thing for years. I'm going to go to Dylan Brooks first. Look, I, I get it. You're trying to establish yourself. But I love the way LeBron James has handled this. He's not mentioned the guy's name and goes gets a 20-20 and his team wins. That's what you do in these situations, is it not? You do it with your play. You don't do it with your mouth. Um, and, you know, the thing that's – Memphis really hasn't done anything, Coach. They really right. haven't done anything yet. And and so um, I understand, hey, we want to be tough. We want to be physical. We want to be competitive. You know, um, they're not scared, right? You don't want to be scared. Um, and you want to you want to bring the fight to them. But um, I think it's gone too far. I think it's been a distraction, and I also think that um, it's affected him uh, with his shooting and his play. And so, you know, ultimately you want to play your best basketball at this time of the year. So to me, do everything you can to do that. And, you know, the way the media is now and the distractions and all the pressure on everybody, um, you know, Memphis is in a tough spot. I always say this, Coach. I always say, yeah, you can beat LeBron or you can beat Steph and Clay on a Thursday night in January. All right? You, you, you can beat them, and everybody gets excited. But you got to beat them four times in two weeks. That ain't easy, brother. No, it's not. It's, and and that's, that's the unique thing about the NBA playoffs is you can have an outlier game, a game where the team, the underdog, plays really well and wins. You're not having four outlier games. And and last night, you know, you look at that. I go back to the Miami shot chart. They made a ton of non-rim twos, which, you know, mathematically isn't really the way to beat people, but they did it. Now, can they do that again in, in game five um, on the road? We'll see. But the thing is, Milwaukee's got to win three. Miami's got to win one. And it can be any of the three, right? And that's... That's the beauty of being up 3-1. You've been in the NBA a long time, and people now are seeing, okay, De'Aaron Fox is the latest. He's injured. We saw what happened uh, with Giannis. We saw Victor Oladipo. There have been injuries. Um, I, I don't know the answer. People are talking about you got to eliminate charges, that kind of thing. What's your take on injuries or the injuries that we've seen? Hey, you want to attack the rim with reckless abandon? That's what goes with it. That's what happens. That's what goes with it. You want to have create contact and and collision at the offensive end. You you got to you're going to pay the price for that if you're tough enough to handle it. You know, the other thing is is I look at injuries differently, right? Like there's there's stress injuries. There's injuries for fatigue, hamstring. You know, you pull a quad, you tear a stomach muscle. You know. We've had a lot of uh, trauma, coach, broken fingers, right? You know, um, things that really are out of your control, I think, and are just part of the game. So, um, you know, we, we can talk about the old days and all this stuff, but there was a time when guys played hurt. There was a time when guys at this time of the year, you know, taped the broken finger to the next one and and – and kept playing, you know, and uh, that's changed some. 
You know, I want to go to Golden State. We saw Draymond. Now, there is a big difference, to your point. Golden State has done something. Golden State has won a bunch. Draymond's been a big part of it. Um, They handle it with an incredible maturity and almost an expectation. Like, we know Steph's going to be great. We know Clay's going to come through. And we know Draymond's going to act like a crazy person at different times. It's kind of like... It's almost like it's part of their fiber, and it does not affect them, to your point about Dylan Brooks. No, it doesn't affect them. And, you know, it's such an advantage to have been to the top of the mountain and seen what it looks like. And then understanding how to get back there and that corporate knowledge that that group has, um, it's, it's very, very powerful. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's amazing to see too, but you know, coach, they took a dip three years ago, right? They took a dip. They learned, they kind of reloaded with their bench and they kept their core together. And now they're, you know, back at it. And I, I think it also says the regular season is important. Um, but when you have the experience and you get into the playoffs, that's more valuable than your seed. That playoff experience, I was with the Rockets when we won it in 95 from the sixth seed. And, you know, we had been there in 94. We knew what it looked like. And all we had to do was get in, and now everything levels out. And our experience and our toughness and our uh, ability to handle in-game failure at this time of the year was better than other teams. Because you're going to fail in games. And that's what you see happening here is teams that can handle in-game, in in the uh, series failure and re- rebound from it and come back from it. Warriors are down 2-0. You know what they're saying? They're saying, hey, they held serve at home. That's all that is. That's it. They held serve. We're going back to our place where we're really good and we're going to get the series right. It's exactly what happened. When you look at the Warriors and you look at their longevity and, and what they've been able to put together, um, what's the underlying current there? Well, to me, your shot never leaves you. Your legs might leave you. Your, your, your speed might leave you. Hey, man, I can still shoot it, baby. You know, your shot, and, and it only gets better. You get more efficient. You get... The game slows down for you even more, even though maybe you don't move exactly the same or maybe you don't feel exactly the same. And mentally, I think they're right there. They got some young guys, Poole and DiVincenzo, and those guys to run around and do some of the dirty work. And, you know, they got those other three guys to close games, which that's what this this league's about. It's about the last five minutes and closing games. All right, I got to ask you, you've been in the NBA a long time, and people are asking me, I'm like, hey, man, I don't know, just find a fit. Zach Eady at Purdue, National Player of the Year, obviously a lot of – how does he fit in your mind in the NBA? Or does he? No, I, I think he fits tremendously. Um, first of all, rim protection is a real thing, and it's important. Um, people are hoping to create open threes and get to the rim. Those are the shots that people want. That's the math of the game. At the offensive end, he can create a double team to create open threes, and he can play at the rim. 
So to me, he fits the math of the game with his skill set, his intelligence, his size. And I also think he's played in a terrific program. Uh, he's been coached. And you know what's encouraging for coaches, as you know, his improvement in the last 18 months. So what he has, he has a, he has the ability to learn. And he has the ability to grow and get better. So if you're watching him and you're a pro scout, you're a pro franchise, you're saying, hey, this guy really improved. He got better. He worked at it. He has mind is good. He can he can go to the next level and help us win. And you know, I worry about those guys, Dan, that always stay the same, right? They don't improve. And in the NBA, even Tim Duncan, LeBron James, Jimmy Butler had to get better. So having the ability to learn and grow is really important to be a pro. Really important. You know, I I, I've said this. People always ask me, well, you know, this guy's going to be great in the NBA. And I always say, well, is he going to do what the greats have done? Michael learned a post-up game and how to shoot. Magic became a really good step-up three-point shooter. Jimmy Butler's body looks totally different and his pull-up game, as you meant. I mean, are you going to do what the greats do? And I think that's what you're saying because every guy – I mean, I remember Isaiah – telling me one time he had to really understand less dribble. What is What did Majerus call it? Judicious use of the dribble to get by somebody. Just go past – you know, everybody's got something to your point. Magic – you know, Magic added the roll hook. He improved his three-point shot. When I was an assistant at Michigan State, I used to rebound for him in the summers. You know, he'd start at the rim. He'd start with his little hooks, and then he'd move out to his three-point shots – to get better because he knew in the playoffs they were not going to guard him, right? If he can't shoot the ball, they're not going to guard him. So that's what's exciting for me about Zach Eady. And, um, you know, the other thing is, is like, does he does he feel he left something on the table with the way the, the, the NCAA tournament ended for them? Does he come back to try to win it all? You know, I don't know. I don't know if he'll do that. Um He's testing the waters, right, Coach? He's testing the waters. Is that yeah. what he's doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah, yeah. He'll he's, he'll get to see he'll get to see what it's like. You know, that'll be good for him. Yeah, you know, I mean, a hundred years ago when you and I were kids, uh, Zach Eady be the number one pick. People would be like, "We got to have the big," right? I mean, you know, now it's about what he can't do. And your your point about rim protection. I watch the NBA. Uh, all year long, but certainly in the playoffs. Hey, if you come weak to the rim, somebody's going to – hell, I saw – what's that kid's name? Conker, uh, the kid from Fort Wayne, block Anthony Davis the other day at the rim in the in the That's game. Right. I mean, you know, you you got to have that, no? Absolutely. You, you got to make people make the extra play. You got to make them finish over the top without fouling them. Um, but the thing is, he's going to get better. You know, he, he's going to grow and get better. And, you know, if you have shooting and you can move him around a little bit, you know, now a team's got to prepare for an inside player. The whole league is facing the rim now. Everybody faces the rim and drives it, pick and roll, and faces it. Fa to have a guy that has his back to the rim and you have to understand how to guard that and play out of that, that's really important. And it can it can make it difficult for people. So, you know, 
efficiency in the post is still a valuable weapon. And um, it makes people guard differently, and they have to understand how to guard the post. And then he generates threes from there if you don't double them. And I think he could be a real successful pro. And uh, I'd hate to see Matt Painter lose him, but, hey, you got to make a few bucks too, you know? Hey, uh, he's got another one sitting there. He's got like some seven foot three Swedes sitting there, you know. So they're they're, they're never short on uh, the big foreigners, you know. They 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 stock them there at Purdue, Purdue man. They don't mess I went around. To the, <clears throat> hey, I went to the Michigan State Purdue game this year at at Purdue. That place, man. That environment and and that team and and what Matt Painter's built there, man. They've done a heck of a job, man. It is fun to go to a they game have. there. It's fun, man. They have. Yeah. They, they have. And, you know, Purdue fans are driving me nuts because they lost in the first round. We got to get somebody in there. I'm like, really? Who do you want? They're like, who, who oh, do you man. want? You know, like, shut up. Right? Just They should sign that crazy. guy to it. They should sign that guy to a lifetime deal. Lifetime deal. You know. I agree. <laughs> I that's exactly uh, – no doubt. Hey, thanks, my friend. Let's play golf this summer. I'm calling you. Sounds great. Because you're really for, good, you. and I'm not. Great seeing you, Coach. Great seeing you. Thanks. See, see you, brother. That's the great Jim Boylan, NBA champ, longtime NBA coach, head coach, and just a great, great dude. I'm telling you, just a great dude. I- got to get into a little bit more, and we got to go East Coast here on Aaron Rodgers going – to the Jets, uh, we have arguably the greatest guest to have on. His name is Mark Canizero, and he is with the New York Post radio host in New York. Jets fans are out of their freaking mind. Colts fans are like, hey, we better get somebody in here. We'll be right back. Mark Canizero, New York Post. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Uh, Jimmy Boylan talking about non-rim twos. Uh, somebody asked on the YouTube chat, what's a non-rim two? Well, a rim two is a layup or a dunk. The point, it counts as two points, and it's at the rim. Now you go a couple feet out also. It doesn't have to be you know, where your hand touches the backboard. But basically, it's pull-up jump shots, in-the-lane runners, baseline float, you know, things of that nature. In fact, a non-rim two yesterday... Uh, with a foot on the line by Jimmy Butler uh, was a difference of a point. You know what I mean? Like he stepped on the line of a three-pointer. That's a non-rim two. It's not a three. It's a non-rim two. So I know a lot of people were asking about that on the YouTube chat, and that's what that is. Look, I don't know who's going to win. I don't know whether or not it's going to be the Warriors or the Suns. I have not watched the Suns. Yet, they do have Durant, and they do have uh, what's-his-face, Devin Booker. But it is a lot of fun. And I know a lot of people are turned off by the NBA. I know a lot of people say, hey, look, uh, we are going to – I'm not watching the NBA. And that's fine. That's cool. Do what you need to do. 
But the truth of the matter is, if you're a basketball fan, the second half of NBA games is a lot of fun. Now, am I going to sit there and watch the game from start to finish? Probably not. If the Pacers were in it, I probably would. But man, oh man, I got to tell you, the second half is a lot of fun. All right, the draft is coming up, but the draft now gets a little sexy. We already saw last night the big trade with Aaron Rodgers going over to the Jets. Does that affect the draft? Probably not. Although if the trade wasn't made, you would maybe see the Jets move up to take a quarterback. Now they don't have to. The next interesting thing relative to the draft, and let's take the draft out of it, I'm talking about relative to the draft, is what's going on with Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson has not been heard from. His camp has gone quiet. There is radio silence from the Ravens, radio silence from Jackson and his mother ever since OBJ signed on and ever since it was disclosed that Lamar Jackson had a hand, a party, a recruitment of OBJ, Odell Beckham Jr. That has quelched, the quelched, quashed, whatever it was, the entire Lamar Jackson to anywhere. I got to keep hope alive as a Colts fan, don't, don't I? I got to have everything on the table. If somebody says to me, all right, do you want Lamar Jackson as a Colt? My answer is always going to be yes. Give up picks, give up whatever, because again, as I look in the AFC, what do I see? I see quarterback after quarterback after quarterback after quarterback. Ladies and gentlemen, a four-time MVP just moved into the AFC. So you can say all you'd like, hey, look, we built, Colts did, from the inside out. We gave Ryan Kelly, the most inside guy, the center, $19 million a year. We trumped that with the left guard as a six-pick with 20-some million dollars a year. We had no plan at left tackle, no plan at quarterback, sold us a bill of goods on Matt Ryan, sold us a bill of goods on Carson Wentz. You know what New York did? New York said, hey, look, we took a swing with the second pick, Zach Wilson. That didn't work. And now we're going to take a big old swing with a four-time freaking MVP. That's how you general manage in the modern NFL. I don't want to hear from Chris Ballard, the most fraudulent general manager, about, well, we build, it's a 53-63 man roster. My ass. I care less about the long snapper. I care less about the reserve offensive tackle. Mark Canizero knows New York better than anybody. You know him, you love him, you see him, he's all over the place. Are you kidding me? What was the reaction? What's your reaction to a four-time freaking all-star going to the Jets? I'm bitter because my Colts are sitting here with their thumb up their backside. Probably going to take Will freaking Levis, Mark. What the hell? Dan, boy, I tell you what, man. I wish I was over there to get a little spot of bourbon for you, but I just kind of, you know, just calm you down a little bit this morning right now. I mean, I don't know if it's too early. Oh, you got it. All right. I love it. Uh, listen, the reaction is this is going to be one of the most fascinating jet seasons in in, in 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 franchise history maybe one of the most fascinating football seasons in, in New York football history just because of what now is the expectations um it, you know listen if you're you know what fascinates me and I, I know you just went on a bit of a rant for a second there if I can go for a quick rant 
I'm already hearing people on New York sports radio bitching and moaning about the conditional first round pick the Jets gave up for next year <laughs> for this. Are you kidding me? The Jets haven't been in a playoff since 2010. It's 13 years, and you're bringing a guy who was a two-time MVP two years ago, second time in a row. I, I don't even understand. I mean, I, I, this is what, you know, this is, I guess, the problem with our, our society now. Everybody's got to bitch about something. This is fascinating. And, and listen, if the Jets had half the quarterback that Aaron Rodgers is now on their team last year, they'd have probably won one or two, maybe minimum one or two playoff series, I would say, or playoff games, I should say. I said series. I'm in the middle of covering Rangers Devils hockey right now, so I'm in series mode. <laughs> New York's got it going on. You just mentioned the hockey, the Knicks. Hell, they shut down 7th Avenue. The Jets get freaking Aaron Rodgers. Look, history says when I go back to Elway and I go back to Manning and I go back to Brady just a few years ago, history says you can bring in Stafford. You can bring in a quarterback that's aging but talented, still ready, and win a Super Bowl. Not just compete and win a Super Bowl. And by the way, that idiot Robert Griffin Jr., the third, whatever the hell, he says the Jets got fleeced. I got two words, my backside for that. Fleeced? My God, are you kidding me? I mean, this is this is the best thing that's happened to Jets in years. I tell you what's interesting. You just you just kind of spurred something a little bit right there, Dan. What's interesting now is the expectation level now has gone from oh we'd be just happy to make the playoffs now if the jets don't get to the afc championship game you know it's going to be considered a failure you know so now you know, there's a lot of pressure now on robert sala and the jets coaching staff to make this all work because you don't you know you don't make this kind of purchase so to speak uh you know and and raise this kind of expectation you know, you're not bringing in, you know, no offense to Matthew Stafford, but you're not bringing in Matthew Stafford who basically done nothing in the playoffs before he went to the Rams, right? You're bringing a guy in who's, you know, a multiple MVP guy who's, who's you know, who's been on a Super Bowl team already. Uh, so at this point now, you can't just make the playoffs of the, of the Jets, which quite frankly, the Jet fan would have begged to do a year, you know, six months ago. Now, you, now the expectation, the bar is raised to a level now where, you know, a Jet fan is not really expected or is not not used to, I should say. Uh, so this is going to be a very, very interesting dynamic. They've got good pieces in place. I still think they got a lot of work to do on the offensive line uh, to make this right. Uh, and, uh, you know, for Rodgers. But, you know, they've got great skill position players around them. And the defense, you know, you, you, as you know, was, you know, top five last year. So, you know, let's roll the balls out and see how it works out. Well, that's my point. My, my point is he's not coming. Uh, you know, maybe Peyton came to Denver when they had a top five defense. You know, that whole Trent Dilfer thing, you're playing for the Ravens, and here you go, you just manage. I don't know. That, you know, the defense is terrific. Weapons are there. But this is a guy, I don't know that he's past his prime. I don't know that he's in his prime. But when you watch Rodgers, he's plenty good enough, man. He is plenty good enough. And he's on psychedelic, so he don't even know where he is. He don't care. He's young at heart because he's got that all, you know, mushrooms or whatever. There's nothing wrong with mushrooms, Dan. Nothing at all wrong with mushrooms, I wouldn't say. But uh, <laughs> you know what? You said it right. He's probably not in his prime. But he's sure as hell not that far past his prime. You know, I don't see him. I mean, this is a guy that, that that was playing hurt all last year with a diminished cast around him. 
and still performed a hell of a lot better than most quarterbacks in the league, even though that was considered a down year for him. So, yeah, I think this is going to be – I think, you know, the dynamic here you want to watch here is how all-in is Aaron Rodgers. And I think he will be all-in. I know he's a flighty guy, uh, but, you know, this is a guy that's pretty prideful and uh, likes to show people that they're wrong. So I'm sure a lot of people are – you know, he's he's listening to all the little whispers out there that say he is past his prime and he's done. Uh, I'm interested to see how quickly he becomes, you know, very – publicly invested with the guys around him. You know, I, I had somebody ask me on a radio show I did last night, oh, do you think he'll show up for the mini camps and the veteran mini camps and blah, blah, blah. I, you know, I think if he's smart, he gets himself invested right away, uh, gets himself to know Garrett Wilson as, as well as he possibly can, because that's going to be his top target. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I don't see this as a guy that's going to kind of tiptoe in here and you know, work when he wants to work. I think he's going to get, you know, fully immersed in this thing. And, you know, this is a guy whose ego, he likes to tell you his ego isn't that big, but I think we all know that's not the truth. And there is nothing Aaron Rodgers would love to do more than, than hoist a Lombardi trophy. And I mean, you know, they'll have a freaking statue outside of MetLife stadium for him. uh, You know, if that takes place. So, uh, he wants that badly, I'm sure, and I think that that's that motivates him. And oh, by the way, he's you know he got a fifty million dollar contract in the next two years too. That doesn't hurt. That doesn't. All right, I got to ask you because uh, my YouTubers are asking me. They go, "Hey, does it concern uh, Jets fans that he said he was ninety percent retired before he went into the dark room and the psychedelic trip or whatever the hell it was?" Because you know the 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 cliche in the NFL is once you talk about retirement, you are retired. What's your take on that, with uh, relative to concern? Well, let me. Well, here's my first concern, Dan. The fact that you have YouTubers that concerns me first. Okay, can I say that? I mean, yeah, yeah. That's that's a bit yeah. alarming, but we'll set that to the side for a moment. Uh, <laughs> listen, Bill Parcells is one of the is 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 a figure in 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 pro football and all sports that I respect more than anybody. I've ever come across. I covered him for a long time when he was a Jets, uh, Giants and Jets coach. Uh, and Bill had that saying, he always used to say, when a player starts talking about retirement, he's already retired. And I do believe in that for the most part. I really do. But I feel like there's still a fire burning uh, inside of Rodgers. And I don't know Aaron at all. I, I do know a couple people that are very close to him uh, from out in Wisconsin who who insist that his fire is still burning. Uh, and I, I believe that, you know, and I, I don't, I just, you know, this guy's accomplished too much in his career to be a mail it in guy. I, I just don't see that really. And I think we'll see right away, as I referenced a minute ago, we're going to see how invested he is in, 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 in his new teammates and getting with these guys in the off season in in the you know what the off the workout programs all that stuff that will that will get rolling after the draft, um, I think if he's a guy that's going to be sitting back in 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 California and chilling until he you know until mandatory camps telling me he needs to be in camp and engaging with his new teammates, that'll surprise me if that's the case. I think he's going to get invested in some manner. I don't think he's going to sashay in here. Uh, you know, without having, you know, and, and basically introduce himself to his new teammates at the first mandatory camp. I think, you know, I, I, I truly believe that he's going to be invested. 
Mark, let me ask you, because we've seen on the other side of town, the Giants, I guess it's the same side of town, the Giants uh, gave a big deal to Daniel Jones, and obviously with the trade now for Aaron Rodgers. I'll ask you, how was the Jones signing reacted to in the city? You know, I think there's a lot of people that felt like the Giants overpaid for Daniel, but I don't really think that they have a choice. There were a lot of options out there. Daniel's a good soldier. He's a good football player. I don't know how great of a quarterback he is, you know, in terms of a, a pure passer and the guy that's going to lead you, you know, down 14 points in the fourth quarter to victory. But I think that there's a confidence level that Brian Dayball, you know, and I know Brian quite well. I've covered him since he was an assistant for years. He's got a great offensive mind. We saw it in Buffalo. You know, we, we saw it with the Giants last year. I feel like there's a there's a belief in the inside the Giants that 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 he has just started to develop Daniel Jones to the quarterback he wants him to be. So, you know, in that in that way, I think that the fans were happy that they 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 re-signed him because I but I think they also realized there weren't a lot of other options out there. If that makes any sense, so they weren't going to go out and do what the Jets did, go get you know an Aaron Rodgers. That's not the way the Giants are operating and. Uh, I think DJ showed you enough last year to, to show you that he could be a winning quarterback uh, when he wasn't a winning quarterback prior to Dayball coming on board. But that said, he only threw 15 touchdown passes last year, and that's a 40, what, $45 million is a lot to pay per year for a guy through 15 touchdown passes. But he didn't have a lot of weapons hey. around him, and I think the Giant fan real, realizes that. So I think he'll be better this year. Hey, we mentioned it earlier, Rangers, Devils, Frickin' Knicks. Kind of fun to be in New York right now, no? Well, you know, Dan, we've sucked around here for a, quite a long time, if I could say sucked <laughs> on our air here, and I think we can. Uh, yep. I mean, the Rangers, listen, let's start with the football teams. Up until last year, neither team had done squat for, for a decade. The Jets more than a decade. The Giants had got one playoff run, you know, with the Odell Beckham-Justin uh, Bieber uh, boat trip. Uh, sabotage that operation in Green Bay, ironically enough. Uh, and the Knicks have been awful forever. The Rangers have been pretty good for a while, but nobody pays much attention to hockey here, unfortunately, because it's awesome. Uh, and, you know, the the Mets and Yankees have been pretty good. The Yankees are always good. But, yeah, we've, for in general, you, you, you know, we're no title town around here in New York, and we have not been for quite a long time. So, you know, maybe that's changing right now. Maybe there's a little something in the air and uh, – uh, it feels like it right now, and, and the city's pretty stoked. I did say this. Man, they shut down 7th Avenue after beating the Cavaliers in a game. Like, wow. That, you know, I'm, I'm pretty enthusiastic for a win over the Cavs. Yeah, I'd like to – personally, as somebody who's a New Yorker, I would like to tell those Knicks fans to act like you've been there before, but most of these guys haven't because the Knicks have been so bad for so long. That's what. That's the first thing I thought. Well, you can't really say. You act like you've been there. His grandmama isn't shooting threes against Reggie Miller. I mean, that's been exactly. a minute or two. You know. <laughs> you know. Hey, appreciate you, Mark. Hope you'll come back, man. Thank you. That's great stuff. That's fun. Any anytime, Dan. Same stuff that bourbon for me next time, please. Yes, yes, I will. But it 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 went early. It it just it went early when I'm ranting. Well, then pour, then, ah. then pour more. Four more then, please. Yeah, Thank you. That's, that, 
That's always the answer. That's the answer is not to stop. The answer is to pour more. And that's absolutely right. Uh, the bourbon trail runs through my basement, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks to Mark Canazero for coming on. That's awesome, man. Look, we're going to have Ken Paxton, the attorney general of the state of Texas. He's not happy with a lot of things, one of which is, well, frankly, Joe Biden's policies about just letting anybody that wants to come in the country just come on in. What the hell? And he is also sponsoring legislation that protects women, actual women, playing women's sports. How about that? That's a novel concept. Let's protect women playing women's sports. We'll be right back with the Attorney General of this great state of Texas. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. You know, one of the things going on in this world, um, and there's a lot of them, Ken Paxton, the attorney general of Texas, is fighting both, and I love it, and he's nice enough to join us now. Ken, I got to ask you, um, I'm going transgender first. Ten years ago, would you have ever thought that you got to put a bill out or you got to fight along with uh, folks in Tennessee to protect biological women's rights to play women's sports. The whole thing is so mind-numbingly stupid to me, but thank you for fighting for it because we've been all over it with Riley Gaines and others. No, I mean, literally, I would have thought it was a joke if you told me 10 years ago or even five years ago that this is a legitimate issue where we're supposedly we've tried to protect women's sports for decades now. Everybody's in agreement. That's a good thing to give women an opportunity to compete uh, separate from men. And uh, we've, we've incentivized that in all kinds of ways, and, and colleges and universities have, have, have paid for that, and it's been a good thing. And now, I mean, it's, it's, I, I can't believe that this is what we're talking about and this is what we're fighting for. What, what made you decide in the state of Texas to join the fight? Look, I have three daughters. They all played um, high school sports or did things that – uh, if if men had competed against them, they wouldn't have had a chance. And uh, I just I don't think it's fair. We ha- we have clear biological differences, and uh, I think there's a reason that that Congress protected women's sports. And and I'm I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing that women have an opportunity to compete. And if we allow men who are claiming that they should be women to compete, it's it's really unfair, and it it perverts the whole idea of having protection for women's sports. I think it's just wrong. You know, my wife was a trailblazer. She was All-American softball player, coach, winning as coach at Syracuse and Bowling Green. Her daughter's now my stepdaughter's playing softball at Harvard. And it, it, it's amazing when, when you talk about just this, when you talk about having a male with male genitalia sitting in a locker room with female athletes in the woman's locker room, like, that to me, it's it's mind boggling, not mind numbing. It's just mind boggling 
Um, how much of that factors into what's going on here through legislation? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I can't even believe we're talking about that. I mean, I had, as I said, I had girls, that, and we were dealing with this during the Obama administration. I had girls in, in that were in locker rooms, and and they were supposedly these regulations came out that they were they would have to share if a, if a if a boy wanted to have have a room a hotel room and they were traveling with a girl that was to be allowed to go into the women's uh, locker room. I mean, I can get why maybe a teenage boy would want to do that. But I, I mean, it's completely inappropriate. And I don't know any fathers or mothers that would really appreciate uh, their daughters being ex- literally exposed to that. What ultimately you think you do you think is going to happen here? Uh, I think we're we're going to have to follow federal law. I mean, I know the Biden administration doesn't like to follow federal laws that they disagree with, and that's clear. They they have complete disrespect and disregard for laws that they that were passed by elected members of Congress and signed into law. And they try to work their way around that. I, I think they call them workarounds. The Constitution. They work around the Constitution. They work around federal law. But we're trying to hold them accountable, and we're trying to hold other states accountable that are that are violating federal law. Ken, I just saw that Biden announced reelection mm-hmm. yesterday. I I have a hard time believing that a- anybody, much less eighty-one or eighty-four million people, can vote for this. Him, I guess him not this honestly have we ever seen anything worse i mean if you look at his time in office two and a half years everything he's done has been bad for america whether it's the disaster in afghanistan whether it's inflation like we haven't seen since jimmy carter whether it's the spending whether it's the border uh that was under control during trump administration whatever you look at the 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 war in in uh ukraine and russia the dealing with, with china i mean everything has gone as bad as it could go. And I don't know how you can say that's an accident. I don't think it's incompetence. I think he's got people in his his uh, regime that want these things to happen because you can't make this many bad things happen this fast without trying to do it on purpose. They have worked at it. They've been successful at hurting America. And I don't know why anybody would appreciate the disaster that he's created for us. I'm just stunned, and I want to get to the border. I've had numerous people on this show, mostly sports folks, that have gone down to the border, and their point is, look, it's 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 nothing other than ridiculous, horrible policies, and in your state, how much of an effect has just opening the border to anybody wanting to come in, how much of an effect has that had on Texas? Uh, dramatic. We've spent billions of dollars trying to protect ourselves from the federal government and the cartels, because let's let's be honest. This is a deal. This is a partnership between the cartels and the Biden administration where Biden on day one signaled to the cartels, we're not deporting. He didn't signal. He said, we're not deporting anybody. So he, he told them, if you get your people to the border and not, you don't have to run anymore. Just bring them to Border Patrol and we will transport them. You can make a lot of money. $10,000 a person, 8000 whatever it is, $12,000 a person. And by the way, Border Patrol will be so busy processing the millions of people you're bringing now you can import your drugs and, and, and make even more money. So it's had a dramatic impact on property crimes, other crimes, human trafficking. Lots of our kids are dying. The numbers of, 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 of people dying from overdoses because of the importation of drugs now from, from Mexico and from China is dramatically up. And the Biden administration knew that they were getting all that. And they said, you know, bring it on. We want more of it, and including send all your criminals to the to, to the country and we'll we'll take those two we're fighting them over that right now what's their game what what why do they want this 
Well, they never say. Two reasons, I think. I mean, we all have to speculate because the Biden administration never says why they want massive number of people crossing the border from all countries of the world uh, without vetting them, without worrying about their health issues during COVID, uh, without worrying about the, the, the dramatic negative impact. I, I think it's two reasons. One, they want they want these people to be able to vote and they think they'll vote the right way. They're sending them mostly to Republican states. And the reason I think they're doing that is not just the vote. It's also because of the competition between free states. I call them free states and, and more liberal states. Uh, you've got people migrating, voting with their feet, leaving California, Illinois, New York, all these states that have high taxes that impose heavy restrictions on their people and on their businesses. People are leaving because they have more opportunity and more freedom in, te- in places like Texas and Florida and, and, and Utah and other Republican states. And so they want to bring these uh, illegals in because they know they cost us a lot of money. They know that they'll cause us a lot of damage, both socially and economically, and that we'll have to pay for it because the federal government's not going to help us. So I think they want to they want to create states that are having more trouble so that they don't these Democratic states don't keep losing their people. You know, you mentioned China and I forget who I was talking to, but they they talked about that because it's it's a direct link, right? China to Mexico, Mexico coming to the United States. That's uh, absolutely true. And I think China obviously has figured it out that they can use this method to damage our culture, damage our children. Uh, and they're doing it. And they're doing it purposely. They're killing our people. Uh, they don't have to do it with guns. They don't have to do it with their satellites that they're launching that are designed to hurt our satellites. It's do with drugs. And uh, I think they're, they're happy to participate in this. And the Biden administration apparently is good with it as well because those numbers keep going up. And they've created the opportunity for the Chinese and the cartels to make a lot of money doing this and kill a lot of our kids. How how much are your hands tied is is the government of Texas? How much are your hands tied by federal policy here? Well, federal law and really a Supreme Court decision that was decided under Obama called uh, uh, U.S. v. Arizona, where they sued Arizona because Arizona was trying to protect their citizens when the federal government under Obama wouldn't protect them. And so, uh, unfortunately, Justice Kennedy, three liberal judges and Justice Roberts all said that the state of Arizona could not pass laws that were similar to what the federal government passed. I think that's a ludicrous decision, and it puts us in a really bad spot because we have to let the federal government pass laws, then not enforce them. All the bad consequences come, and supposedly we can't do anything about it. That doesn't seem right, and I hope I get the opportunity somewhere in the near future to challenge that decision, and hopefully Justice Roberts and others will realize that was a poor decision. It has dramatic bad impact on our, our, our border states and really the, the entire country. Can I have Catholic guilt? I have crippling Catholic guilt going back to first grade through 12th grade. And Maybe I live I by something I call, <laughs> I call it the mirror. Like, how can you possibly know what you're doing, making cartels rich, bringing a ton of fentanyl into our country, killing our children, uh, opening the border to criminals. And how can you possibly live with that if you're the supposed leader of the nation? Thus, ultimately, you're the one responsible for letting that happen. How can you live with this? Look, there's a lot of countries and a lot of leaders in these countries that hurt their own people. They, they do great harm to them. They allow policies that, that allow their people to be hurt, killed, and Honestly, we, we've got the same thing here. We have leadership that knows exactly what they're going to get. We can go back to Trump and see what the numbers were like under him. They were they were significantly lower. 
illegal immigration was under control on its way down. And the Biden administration said, no way. We're getting rid of all those uh, federal laws. We're going we're, we're gonna to not enforce the federal laws that were passed. And we're going to get rid of all the things that work. And we're going to get some more of this illegal immigration and the consequences of it. They did it on purpose. And, and they, they, they lie. I mean, Mayor, Mayorkas lies every day when he says there's no crisis. And now suddenly they've, they've, they've sort of uh, done a little turn. Now they're just blaming Trump, even though the numbers don't, don't say that it's Trump's fault. They say it's Biden's fault. And everybody knows it. What, what did Trump do that made his border uh, policies so effective? He followed the law. He followed the law and his constitutional role to enforce the law. So there were a couple of things that really worked well. He stopped catch and release. So if you got caught, you didn't get let go. He, he, he enforced Title 42, which now the Biden administration is getting. It's our last thing that they're going to knock down, which protected us against uh, you know, communicable diseases and other things. Remain in Mexico, the most effective of all, because what these people are doing, they're coming to the border. They, they say the magic word asylum. Then the Biden administration takes them and moves them to a Republican state. And they're here. Uh, that worked really well. And finally, the thing that was going to be the long term solution was the wall. And that, that was being funded by Congress. And Biden stopped uh, using that money, let, wasted all the assets, paid contractors to do nothing and stopped building the wall which will protect not only our nation, but the Border Patrol themselves. So he basically dismantled everything that worked, and he got what he wanted. The numbers went up like three or 400% of illegal, illegal immigration. The drug cartels were became more successful. Everything that the cartels wanted, they got, and Americans were left holding the bag with all the, all the bad consequences. You know, it's one thing for you as somebody in public office to be frustrated and fight, and that is the most important thing. But I, my question would be, if I were a citizen of Texas, how frustrated am I? How angry are the folks of Texas, the normal citizen of Texas? I think they're incredibly angry because especially if they've lost a child, I have friends, I have neighbors who have lost children who were in college or, or, or close to that age to do to fentanyl overdoses that could have been prevented. And so that's probably the most, I don't know, widespread impact that I see that where we actually have kids dying at that fine, that, that creates great pain for me. Cause I know some of these kids, they grew up around my kids. So, but you know, for those on the border, property damage, a lot of people have had to move out of their houses cause they don't feel safe. If they're there, they got to, you know, protect themselves. Um, it's it's a bad situation. The Biden administration, you'll notice, he doesn't come to the border and talk to people. He doesn't find out what's going on, and he doesn't seem to care. Nor does, nor does his his borders are Kamala Harris. I don't think she's ever made an effort to really find out what's going on. And I think their actions speak a lot louder than whatever they're saying. And he's running for re-election, and somehow, some way, the Democrats, liberals, seem like they have this system. I don't know. I, look, I'm from Gary, Indiana, northwest Indiana. I've had friends go to federal prison for voter fraud. They got caught about the fifth time they did it over the fifth. So nobody can tell me that voter fraud isn't real, but I digress, uh, just based on my experiences. But somehow, 81 million people are going to vote for this crap again, and we're all sitting here helpless to an administration that's catering to the bad guys. It makes zero sense. Well, you're right. And we better be ready for some more voter fraud, because I guarantee you they're going to do the same thing they did last time. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, as somebody who fought voter fraud, 
Uh, we've got our own complications with that now, but we stopped what was going on in these other states. And had we not, Texas would have voted for Biden as well. Uh, these big counties had were trying to do the same thing in Texas, at Harris County, which is Houston, Travis County, which is Austin, Bear County, which is San Antonio. They were trying to send out millions of ballots, and there's no and they're when they send those ballots out, they're they're just indiscriminately sent out. The other side is right. We can't prove voter fraud because anybody can fill in those ballots. We'll never know. And when you have to stop counting ballots for three days, figure out what the real number is, and then suddenly all every one of those states goes Biden, it's it's highly unlikely that they didn't steal that election. I mean, I, I'm thousand percent with you, but you got well, I guess the lesson is you can't let it happen again, right? I mean, that's the well, lesson. The problem is you got states that have allowed it to happen. I mean, you got Republican battleground states like Georgia who capitulated and instead of fighting it like we did, they they signed consent decrees and said, Yeah, go ahead and violate our state laws. Go ahead and send out ballots to anybody you want, to everybody. And guess what? We'll never know who really voted, that anybody can fill it out, and we'll just take the consequences of that. If states are going to allow mail-in ballots to do that, we will lose every time because it's open cheating season and there's no way to prove it. It's a scary thing. It's, it's, it, that, what you're talking about here, when, and I'm going to go back to the border, when you talk about families having to leave homes and feeling unsafe in their own neighborhoods, and that's a different feeling because they felt safe and now they don't. I, I'm not, you know, I don't, I'm not trying to say civil war, but that's something that angers folks at their core, right? I mean, I can see people just, you know, and what you do about it, I don't know. But, man, that that cuts to the core of who we are. It does. People have a right to be safe. And when your federal government is participating with the cartels, maybe not in a written agreement, but in, in a tacit partnership, tacit agreement to bring harm to your community, how do you not put them in that position of having to defend themselves because the government's not protecting them and actually doing just the opposite, bringing harm to their, their front steps, their front door. That's the biggest issue that not only are you, know, okay, it's one thing you're protecting, you're doing everything you can, but it's another thing when they openly invite the problems that they are causing in the communities. That's a huge difference to me. Well, they invite it and then they help them do it. They they participate in the in the in the damage. Uh, it's not just that they're saying come. They're saying just get them to us and then we'll do the rest. We're we're in this with you, man. Get as many people here as you can, as fast as you can. Doesn't matter where what country they're from. It doesn't matter what their background. They could they could have committed crimes in other countries, and we want them. We want them all. Send all your prisoners. Get them all here. We're the Biden administration. We want to get these people to Texas and Florida as fast as possible, Arizona, uh, Georgia, wherever, any Republican state. We want to get all those people there. Man, oh, man, it's just it, it's just sickening. Ken, I appreciate you coming on. I really do. I know you're on with Tommy yesterday. Thank you so much uh, for te- spending and educating all of us here. Thank you. Well, anytime. Thanks for having me on this important issue. Yeah, it is a really important issue. I mean, it is amazing to me. That's Ken Paxson, the attorney general in the great state of Texas. It's amazing to me when you just think about the fundamentals of our country, that this is what's happened. You know, we can talk about a divided country because somebody says a word you don't like or but that's truly 
dividing our country when you allow criminals. And oh, by the way, remember when Trump talked about criminals? Remember when Trump talked about rapists and burglars and robbers coming in and was called and shot down by as racist? It ain't anymore. Like, you know, Ken Paxton just came on and discussed it, and he said exactly what Trump's saying. And now it's not even up for debate whether we the Biden administration are allowing murderers, whether they're allowing criminals, whether they're allowing rapists into our country. It's not even up for debate. It's not even kind of, sort of. And, you know, idiots in the media say, well, these are dreamers. These aren't dreamers. You know, you, you, when you talk to people that are actually there, when you talk to people that are on the front lines, like we have, I don't know, this is probably the fourth person, and Ken Baxter is the most important person that we've talked to. When you talk to those folks, it's real. Fentanyl, real. Jim Banks, uh, the senator here from Indiana, has talked about fentanyl and the Biden administration not even saying a word about it. And what's it all for? Well, you know what it's all for. It's all for power. It is sickening. I swear to God, Like, I've always paid attention to politics, but I've never really allowed politics to get inside me and anger me. This angers me because the more you let in and the influx is thousands and thousands and thousands per day, eventually they're going to come to Indy. Eventually they're going to come to your town, Salem, Indiana, or I'm going to Bryant, Indiana today to give a talk at a Lincoln Day uh, dinner and uh, eventually be there wherever. I, and, and honest to God, they, the Biden administration, want it because, as you heard Jim say, they want to stay in power. This is all about power. Isn't it disgusting? Isn't it sickening? And why don't we, as Americans, rise up? I don't care if you're a liberal. I don't care if you're a Democrat. Are you that hungry for power that you're going to sit there and bring a bunch of clowns in that are damaging our country just to get a vote in Texas? And then you're going to try to allow them to vote? I, it is amazing. Amazing to me. I, honestly, and people will defend it. People will absolutely defend this. And honest to God, it's astounding to me. It is astounding to me that guys on this, Jacob G., will not just say, hey, you know what? That's an interesting take. They will immediately go like this guy on our YouTube chat, Jay, to attacking the guy, Ken Paxton. That, that's the world we live in. It's not like, hey, this is an interesting take. Why does he feel this way? Is, he, is this, what are the numbers on this? That's not what we do anymore, right? What we do is we go, well, ask Ken about his situation. I mean, honest to God, it is sickening. It is disgusting what we do. It's unconscionable. Honest to goodness, Michael, same way, Dan, left this anger me. For my own health, I should probably unplug from it for a few months, but it's important to stay informed and fight against it. It's like when I comment about Indiana, Indiana basketball. All little blogger boys do, well, Dawkins sucks. He, he called somebody a meth head. They'll say, well, I wonder why Dan feels that way. That's what I love about being in the media, and that's what I love about talking to people. Is yeah, I, like I have always asked, "Hey, uh, what is the feeling?" Jacob G says it goes to credibility, really, because somebody trumps up a charge. How about you limit the credibility and you just simply go to the facts? I mean, anybody can charge anybody with anything. 
How about you just go to the facts? It goes to credibility. Man, none of these guys are credible. You think Joe Biden's credible? Donald Trump was credible? Are you an idiot? How about you just go to the facts instead of trying to tear down the credibility? I mean, all you got to do is listen. I mean, I guess everybody that comments differently than a liberal does, oh, they got to be perfect. I mean, Joe Biden has lied more to the American people than anybody. And I don't even care about it. It's so ridiculous. Now, I just want to go to the facts, what's real, what's not real. Inflation is real. The influx on our borders is real. Gas prices are real. Now, you can make excuses all you want. But the fact of the matter is, it's real. I don't care about Joe Biden. It goes to credibility. I don't care about Joe Biden's credibility. I care less. I don't, I don't get my, uh, what's the right word? I don't get my freaking manners. I don't get anything, my morality from politicians. I just want to know the facts, period. Honestly, he paid millions. I don't care. Joe Biden looks at me and lies every day. Donald Trump looked at me and lied every day. George W. Bush looked at me and lied every day. Obama was so full of crap, he's still lying. They're all lying. What are the facts? Period. Well, it goes to credibility. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Marky Mark says, hey, Dan. A lot of people don't understand all this, that all this crap will show up on your doorstep and then go worry about, well, you know, six years ago, uh, he had a loss. I don't care about any of it. Joe Biden is Mexican. He's Asian. He's Puerto Rican. He's Serbian. He's black. He's white. There is no credibility. It goes to credibility. Yeah, okay. How about instead of attacking, you say, okay, what, what, what is really going on here? That's what I like. That's why I'm not left. I'm not right. I just want to know what's really going on here. And I know this. I know the fentanyl being brought into our country by the cartels, as the attorney general just said, are killing our kids. I know people live in Albuquerque. I know people live in South Texas. And they say the same thing. Man, it's all over Houston. I mean, it's all over. I got a friend in Albuquerque. He says, man, we got a gated community. Uh, crazy ass people are running through our yards because there's nowhere to go. But hey, it goes to credibility. I can't listen to a guy telling us facts because he 10 years ago got a lawsuit against him. Yeah, okay. Man, people are idiots. Since you're going to be investigation running for office, you will have to move back out of Marion County. I don't know what that means. I live in Marion County. I don't know what that means. Whatever, man. I don't know. Just give me the facts. Just give me the facts on what's going on. Attack me all you'd want. There's nothing you can attack me that's going to bother me. I've been, I get attacked every day. So whatever. Nothing I'm saying is inaccurate about uh, Ken Paxson. Good. I don't care about that. Nothing I'm saying about Joe Biden is inaccurate. Don't care. What are the facts? What are the facts? We'll be right back. God, I got idiots. Why can't people just freaking think about what's best for all of us instead of, well, it's a current charge. He's got, okay, great. I don't care. What are the facts? I don't care about any of them. I've learned morality and politicians. I'm not paying. I don't care. 
that they brought. I don't care. I, I want to know why inflation, why gas prices, why the border is so bad. I want to know those three things. Those are things I want to know. Why is this administration so inept in those three areas? Because all three of them are garbage. All three of them have been affected. I don't care that Joe Biden's a liar. I don't care uh, that his son is a thief. I don't care that they're making millions from the Ukraine. I don't care, Jacob G. It doesn't matter to me. What are the facts and how do we solve the current problems? That's what I care about. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Oh, man, it's spirited. It just astounds me that when somebody, particularly liberals, disagree, we can't just discuss the catastrophe. Oh, I guess inflation's down to 4%. Good for Joe Biden, man. Isn't he doing a great job? Inflation's a mess. The whole country's a mess. But, hey, he's running for re-election with the idiot. And uh, based on the fraud that they did last time, it'll probably go through and they will probably win. All right. Stock up. Ladies and gentlemen. Anheuser-Busch, see right here? I got a great shirt that I really like, but I will no longer ever promote Nike, nor will I buy Nike products and stock up to Anheuser-Busch. You know what Oktoberfest is. You see the big tables. You see the St. Pauli girl outfits. Zomete, zomtete, zomzak, zak, zak. Einst, strai, drai. That's what we get at Oktoberfest. Well, ladies and gentlemen... Oktoberfest says niet to Anheuser-Busch. No Anheuser-Busch products at Oktoberfest. We've already seen not one, but two marketing idiots at Anheuser-Busch take a, quote, leave of absence. But Oktoberfest ain't messing around. The big steins of beer will not include any, that's right, any Anheuser-Busch products. That's right. They say, well, you know, Anheuser-Busch has far more products than you know. Yeah, great. Yay, Rob. Go fight, win. But the fact of the matter is, Oktoberfest says, niet. Nunca. I don't even know if that's a word. That might be Serbian. To any and all Anheuser-Busch products. And ladies and gentlemen, that's what I'm talking about. The boycott is real, people. Well, you know, Dan, uh, their market price is not down. Shut up. The boycott is real. Yeah, it is. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Deion Sanders and the University of Colorado spring attendance at their spring game. That's a stock up. Deion Sanders is probably the only coach that can affect literally everything. I mean, they had, it doesn't look it there, but they had, ladies and gentlemen, the whole place packed. I mean, the whole place packed. I mean, jam-packed. Now, Deion Sanders is being a little bit of a fool because Deion Sanders has had a lot of people, and I mean a lot of people. I mean a ton of people decide that, hey, you know what? Deion Sanders uh, 
has had 17 players, including a terrific wide receiver, leave after the spring game. And Deion Sanders had the audacity to call that crooked. Now, let's be honest. Probably, I don't know this is fact, but this is always what we suspected. I'm pretty much Deion's age. Uh, we always suspected that Deion Sanders and the boys at Free Shoes University got paid a little bit of money. But post-spring practice, 18, not 17, 18 Colorado players have taken off, including a wide receiver who's got a great name, Montana Limonis Craig. He led the team in receiving and receiving yards last year, and he had 168 receiving yards in this spring game. He'll be a hot commodity right now in the portal. And, of course, Dion doesn't like that. Dion's brought a ton of guys. Dion has said, look, get in the portal. Hop right into that portal if you don't like it. Well, a lot have. 18 players have taken off. And he, ladies and gentlemen, is calling it crooked. Yeah, I don't know, man. You got starting corner, couple starting defenders, running back that led the team in rushing last year, only 393 yards. Not like he can't replace them. But stock up, Dion. Stock down, Dion. Stock up, our boy. Last night, Duncan Robinson did it again. Duncan Robinson came into the game and whap, whap, whap. Three threes in the first half when, quite frankly, the Miami Heat were reeling. Now, the boy genius uh, also goes by the name Eric Spolstra. Now, Spolstra has not been smart enough to play Duncan Robinson since Duncan led them to a, well, I don't know about an NBA. He led them to an NBA final a few years ago and signed a $92 million contract. What I like about Duncan Robinson is he signed a contract, and next thing you know, he was hanging at the crib here. True story. Signs for 92. He and Andrew, my son, are best friends. So he flies out, shows up, plays golf with Andrew and all his buddies here. And then on Sunday morning, we wake up, and who's cooking eggs for everybody? Duncan frickin' Robbins. It's pretty nice. It's pretty good. But Duncan last night, listen to this. I'm telling you, he played 30 minutes. He hit three threes in the first half, didn't hit any in the second half. I'm not even sure he took any because they were glued to him. But here's the bigger deal. They're plus 15 when he's in the game because he makes all the right passes. There is something to a guy that makes all the right freaking plays, period. Just is. All right. Stock up to my daughter, LD, Laura Dockage. First and foremost, she, along with Lee, my son, the love of my life, but my daughter completed the half marathon. She's the girl in the middle. She's a teacher in Nashville. She just got another job, but I'm not at liberty to say. But anyway, so she and her friends decided we're going to train. It's about her fifth half marathon, maybe 10th. I don't know, but good for her. She said living in Nashville is awesome. And ladies and gentlemen, the bands that, that you start out going down Broadway are fantastic. And stock up, LD we call her. I say it's because it's learning disabled. She says we call her LD because that's her initials, Laura Dockage. I don't know. I haven't figured out which one. I know which one I think. But that little girl in the middle and her friends kicked backside and they need to be celebrated. 
Yeah. Hey, let's go to the first YouTube video of this idiot. Uh, I can't believe this. When I worked downtown in Indy, I would go around before my show, before Indy got crushed, and I would pass out dollar bills to homeless dudes and ladies. And I got to know a couple of them. My friend Rocky was in the military. He had a tough life, but he sat out there on the corner of Meridian uh, and Market Street, or right on the south side of the circle, with his, he wanted everybody to know that he was legitimately a veteran. He had his ID, his military ID, had everything you needed to make sure that you knew. So I got to know a bunch of the homeless folks. I have a real affinity for the homeless. I try to help. The Wheeler Mission is something that we have on a monthly give to. We just give every month to that in the Traders Point Christian Church and a couple others, uh, one veterans, because we believe in helping the homeless. Watch this idiot YouTuber. Watch what he did, and he's getting drugged as he should. Let's show the video. Stock down big time. Los Angeles, California has the third biggest homeless population in the United States. And today, it's my job to make sure there's one less hungry person on the streets. Hey, excuse me, sir. Hey, I was wondering, are you hungry by any chance, man? All right, man, I got you. Would you like a Baconator, fries, a drink? Is that cool? All right, what's your name, man? Israel. God bless you, Israel. I got you. I'll be right back, man. Pick one Baconator combo, please. Yo, what's up, bro? Yeah, man, I got you a, I got you a Sprite, you know, here, large fry. Got you a Baconator, man. I was homeless myself, so I, I want to make sure you get on the right path, and, you know, you're always able to, you know, get back on your feet. You know, so I, just, I want you to enjoy this. really good. All right. Take care. Have a nice day. Can you believe that jackass? I mean, can you believe that? I can believe that. I mean, that is stunning to me. That is, is that guy that did that mentally ill? Is that guy that did that arguably the worst human being on the planet, nonviolent crime division? And I'm sure he thinks he's pretty cool. You can tell that he thinks he's pretty hip, pretty cool, got it going on. I mean, I'm just stunned by that video. I've seen that thing about five, six, seven, eight, nine. Karma, well, regardless, karma needs to get that guy and get him right in the backside. Because I don't know what to tell you about that jackass other than to say, you're the worst human being on the planet. And the arrogance, the cockiness, and the stupidity really uh, trumps the awfulness of that guy. My God, think about that. Think about that jackass thinking that he is a wise guy, a smart guy, a cute, clever guy. It's unbelievable. I don't even want to spend another minute with him. Stock down, bed, bath, and beyond, huh? Go woke, get broke. Bed, bath, and beyond showed the way. Mike Liddell, my pillow. They were the first ones, Bed Bath and Beyond, to take Mike Liddell's my pillow off the shelves. They were going to show us how woke they were. They were going to show us. Oh, you showed us Bed Bath and Beyond, you idiots. Go woke, get broke. They were the first. They're bankrupt. That's right. I don't like to see businesses go out of business, but I ain't mad uh, at Things like Bed Bath and Beyond, places like Bed Bath and Beyond getting their comeuppance. Swear to God, ain't nothing wrong with it. You decided at Bed Bath and Beyond that you were woker. 
that you are going to lead the way to wokeness, that you are going to be a pillar of the woke society and hurt a guy who did nothing, really. I mean, I get it. Mike Liddell became a pariah for reasons that are totally unknown other than the fact that Mike Liddell was not a liberal. He was simply a conservative selling a bunch of pillows. We proudly have one. But Bed Bath & Beyond, you got exactly what you deserved, and you got exactly, or that is exactly what that clown who did that YouTube video deserves. Good for you, Bed Bath & Beyond. You showed us. Now, go the hell away. Get woke, get broke. Go woke, go broke. And I'll combine them. Go woke, get broke. However you want to say it. Hasta la vista, baby. All right. Anyone complaining about losing a blue check mark, stock down. I've listened. Hell, the uh, noted racist Kendrick Perkins said, well, I'm not caring. I'm famous. I'm not paying for being famous. Okay. That's great. Stock down, ladies and gentlemen. Stock the hell down. If you're complaining about losing a blue check mark, you, my friend, are an idiot. Who cares about a blue check mark? Who gives a rat's about a blue check mark? Why would anyone care about a blue check mark? Why? I don't care. If you don't follow me, God bless you. If you do follow me, God bless you. I'm not paying for a blue check mark, although I understand why people would, but I simply am not going to go out of my way to complain that Twitter took my blue check mark. I don't even know what a blue check mark does for me. I remember, man, Rex Ryan got himself tanned up. I think he went and spray tanned his face. But anyway, I don't care about a blue check mark. I never will. And I think you look absolutely idiotic if, in fact, you do care about a blue check mark. All right. New Mexico State. New Mexico State is a bastion for absolute crap when it comes to their basketball program. They had a shooting. They have had, they have had, ladies and gentlemen, a complete meltdown in the program. And now, and now there is all kind of things at New Mexico State. The chancellor, who is making half a million a year, and his wife have to fight an affair. Uh, his wife had, well, I think she threw hands, all right? I think she threw hands with her husband, the chancellor, because word on the street was the chancellor, a guy named Dave Arze Dan Arvizu, denied having an affair, but apparently he was with an underling. Which, when you're the chancellor, well, guess what? Then I guess uh, everybody is an underling. So they got rid of this coach, Greg Heyer, who was an idiotic hire to begin with. Now, hang on to this. It gets worse. Players are alleging in a lawsuit of sexual assault on them by other players. Things stuck in rear ends, things of that nature. Now, I got to tell you, it's a train wreck. It is, excuse me, among the worst things in the country when you have to shut down over a murder, regardless of self-defense. Then, ladies and gentlemen, you have a coach who really told players, yeah, I don't care. And then, ladies and gentlemen, you got a freshman guard, a redshirt freshman, and, and 
others saying, look, three of these idiots, Dr. Bradley, DeShondre Watts of Washington, and Kim Aiken said, hey, look, these three guys, Aiken, Washington, and who's the other clown? Bradley sexually assaulted teammates. So what did, what did the University of New Mexico State do? They gave this guy, a guy named Mochia, Mochia, the AD, a new freaking five-year extension. Now, somebody's going to say, well, he didn't have involvement. Of course he had involvement. Of course he did. It is unfreaking believable. Mario Mochia gets a five-year extension after governing all of this crap, and he gets a $72,000 raise. All right. He said, I've, I've made a list of every coach I've hired. You know, we have an excellent batting average. No one bats 1,000. Okay. Uh, One of the allegations against New Mexico State is that parents tried to contact this clown, and this clown avoided everyone. It's unbelievable. The basketball program, a mess. Everything, a mess. And this guy gets himself a extension. Did you see this? AOC, whatever the hell her real name is, went after Fox News. And I guess she's doing a victory lap. I don't know if we have the video. But AOC went after Fox News. Not only went after Fox News, she wants Fox News censored communist style. Yeah, let's do it. Let's take them off the air because they, us, Fox News, disagrees with the government. Disagrees with her. Exposes her and all her stupidity. Yeah. Let's take them off. That's the solution here in the United States of America. Yeah. Let's, let, let's have government-run media, which we already have, NPR and PBS. Let's have that. Let's do that action. That would be good. Because AOC, like all of these other clowns that are in government, want no criticism. Same thing with the print media. Why do you think hit pieces get written about me all the time in the Indie Star? Because I tell you how bad the Indie Star is. And they don't like it. They get offended. We must write about it. We must take them down. That's media and that is government. They don't want any criticism. They are above the law, ladies and gentlemen. They are above you and me. So not, hey, look. Let's answer the criticism. No, let's eliminate, get rid of, be gone, the news organization that criticizes them. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the Indy Star way. That, ladies and gentlemen, is AOC. And she, ladies and gentlemen, is a freaking idiot. Joe Biden. Joe Biden has to be one of the stock down because Joe Biden is stock down. Joe Biden lives to be stock down. Joe Biden can't be any less of a disaster 
than he is or any more of a disaster than he is. Joe Biden, as we heard today from Ken Baxter, so eloquently put, is a complete and unmitigated disaster. And one of the reasons he is an unmitigating disaster is because of this. There is a sign, I think I sent it to you, Dylan, about the rising costs. I was at the Nassau Cafe. The Nassau Cafe on, what is it, Nassau Street at University of Princeton. The sign said, due to rising costs, as of February 10th, all non-cash transactions will incur a 3.5% processing fee. Thank you for your understanding. Payments of cash and gift cards will not incur this fee. People are saying, here it is right here. People are saying, well, they've always been a fee. Great. All of you Trumpers. Yeah, but Trump did thisers. All of you, yeah, but Trump did thisers. Let me ask you a simple question. Did you ever see at a cafe anything start out with due to rising costs? Did you ever see that? No. We all know there's a processing charge that businesses incur when we use credit cards. Of course, we know that. It's said so here as well. But did you ever see that? Of course not. Now, people are going to say, well, you know, there it is. Well, you know, there's always been this things were there when Trump. But did you ever see it? Was it ever thrown in your face that a mom and pop shop had to say due to rising costs? Of course you did. Absolutely you did it. You never did. Now. We're going to get the, yeah, but Trumpers saying, well, those costs have always been in there, man. Did you ever see due to rising costs as of whatever? Of course you did. Because we're celebrating inflation that is now down to, oh, man, it's down to 4%. Yay, Ra, go fight, win. Yeah. A.O. Rotten Crotch. Yeah. All right. All right. What do you got here? Give me the woke dopes boys and girls. What do you got? Oh, this was unbelievable. San Francisco Target puts entire inventory on lockdown among shoplifting crisis. That's unbelievable. Like, more stores are doing this. We've seen the idiots... Mostly biggins, mostly African-American big gals that are going into the stores and just looting them and eating, at least the videos that I've seen, eating in front of cameras. So it used to be that bleach and uh, detergent. I remember going into the big Walgreens right on State Street in Chicago. We were staying at a place um, Lee's friends owned right around the corner for the weekend and we needed detergent and the detergent was locked up. The world has gotten so lawless in the Joe Biden world that now everything in a store has to be under lock and key. It's unbelievable. It is incredible. Stores are closing. Chicago Walmart's gone. Portland, stores are closing and leaving. I was just with a couple from Portland and they were talking about, they're Northwest people and they're like, yeah. 
People are leaving in droves because of lawlessness. It sucks. I don't like it. I hate it. But you know what? The big gals are going to go in and just start eating and stealing. You got to lock it down. Good for Target. What else you got? Oh, yeah. An 18-year-old died after doctors tried to create a vagina for him using part of his colon. His colon was used because puberty blockers stopped growth of his genitals, which meant there wasn't enough tissue to do the penile inversion surgery. When you get sex change, they basically stick your pee-pee up inside you. 18-year-old dies. You won't read about this. You won't see this. This will never make the news. This will never make the Biden administration, not even a little bit. But it's going to keep happening more and more. And I swear to God, I will fight this fight until I'm a 1,000 years old and you all are tired of me. But I got to tell you, I cannot believe we are letting kids do these things. Yeah, that's an 18-year-old. Yeah, they should probably be allowed to if they're stupid enough to do it. But I got to tell you, man, it is incredible. It is absolutely incredible that we are dumb enough to allow our kids to be mutilated because they want to be. Man, oh, man. Hey, I didn't get to a couple of things that I kind of sort of wanted uh, to get to. We talked about a lot. Well, we talked a lot about the Aaron Rodgers trade, and we had some absolutely fantastic guests. I'm trying to find this here. Uh, Charles Barkley starting a new show. Congratulations to him. It'll be on CNN with Gail King. He said, I want it to be non-political, but we don't want to say we're liberal, conservative, republic, democrat. That's one of the things that has already ruined television in general. Look, he's going to be political, but I do like the fact, and I think he will pull this off. I'm one of the few people on any network that can talk politics from a totally neutral area. I will make fun of both sides. I will tell you my thing for a president is I don't want to hear the word inflation. Stock market needs to be good and gas prices need to be all right. And now all of you real smart internet guys will say, Oh, and I've added borders. Border needs to be secure, all of which were done very well under Donald Trump. I don't care who Donald Trump is grabbing by what. I don't care hush money that he paid. Uh, a president to me and the administration, that's what they do. And I think Barkley is probably the same. I think Barkley probably has the same amount of common sense, or he's going to have the same amount of common sense to what he's doing that I have. And I am all in on it. So congratulations to Sir Charles, Eastern Michigan sophomore forward, Imani Bates, who has been a train wreck, and it is all due to his father being a mess and trying to cash in in Imani Bates. At one time, he was going to be the number one pick. He averaged 19 at Eastern Michigan. Eastern Michigan was absolutely horrible with Imani Bates. He was the top high school player when he was like a sophomore. He got felony charges. They got dropped to a misdemeanor, gun possession, all the stupid stuff that stupid people do. But Armani Bates went to Memphis, acted hurt, went home. They played better without him, went to Eastern Michigan. They stunk. But Armani Bates will be celebrated as a great player, drafted in the first round. So good for Armani Bates. Yay, Ra. Go fight, win. I will tell you this historically. 
the teams that have the NBA players in the MAC usually win 25 games, 24 games. We did with Keith McLeod. Uh, Kent did with Antonio Gates, NFL player. They were horrible. He was a big reason they were horrible, but he did score 28 straight points in a loss in the second half. Uh, we're going to be back at it tomorrow. I think the new addition, Charlie Arnold, is going to join us. You guys on the YouTube chat, you guys rock, absolutely rock. 300 people all day. There'll be thousands upon thousands upon thousands. Thanks to everybody. Have a great afternoon. Enjoy your day. We'll see you tomorrow.